Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. All right, good morning, Thrive. So glad you're here. This coming weekend is super exciting with the men's retreat. Man, I hope you can come. If you're not signed up, get signed up. It's going to be amazing. But uh, this morning, we're continuing our series in 1 Corinthians. Corinth is a church in a Roman province, and they're receiving a letter from the Apostle Paul who helped lead them to the Lord, helped grow them up, and then he hears of problems. Problems in the church divisions, um, and I, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Those divisions were interesting because, you know, he views it that way. They're fighting over who do they like the best, Apollos or Peter or Paul or Jesus, and then Paul's like, uh, it's all about Jesus, guys. You're all being stupid, and, and, and he continues, and, and now in chapter three, he starts talking about growing up. There's actually kind of a cool uh, Ben Rector song I, I've been enjoying lately, um, and, and I wish I, I, I should have pulled it up. If you guys want, if you at some point want, yeah, you can if you want, or even the video if you want. There's a song called, Andrew knows it, called uh, uh, Heroes by Ben Rector, and the, I love the lyrics of the song, and, and it says, I miss my old heroes, and the hardest part, the hardest part about Growing up isn't getting old, but learning how the real world goes. And it, it's such a good song, like great lyrics, uh, great message from it. Um, and uh, I mean, you, don't worry about it if you can't find it, because um, I didn't put it in my notes. It's all on me, not on you. <laughs> um, but it's a great song. If you have time, even the video is really pretty cool. But that message, like, when we're kids, we just think the world of everything. Like everything's amazing or going to be amazing, except maybe school. But everything else, unless, like most girls, even when they're little, like, I love school. I don't, when I, I, I haven't met too many eight, nine-year-old boys, six-year-old boys who are like, school. <laughs> There's a few. I don't, I didn't know them. That was, maybe it's changed now, okay? But when I was six and seven, recess was cool. Gym was cool, uh, and not being in school, also cool, okay? And just, just stuff, just having fun, right? I remember what I loved so much, one of my earliest memories, one of the coolest things was my big wheel. How many people had a big wheel growing up? Come on, put your hands up. If you didn't have a big wheel, I feel sorry for you. And you can get an adult one now because that's the age we live in. But, um, but seriously, there's like adult coloring classes together. And I'm a little like, and some of you I know you've gone to them and so I can't say anything. But uh, um, the, the, I loved my big wheel. I had like a hand-me-down one. Um, and it was my brother's old Spider-Man big wheel. But it was cool. And I just thought I was the most awesome person on the planet in my big wheel. And then one day you're too big for the big wheel, which doesn't sound right. 
But it's true. I'm t- I, I can't, like my knees are hitting the, so then what do we do? Anybody? Yeah, you switch to the bike. You go to the two wheelers. Time to go to a bike. The irony is the big wheel had three wheels. The bike, though, had four because I was still on training wheels, right? So, and then, you know, around six years old, I learned to ride without my training wheels. And then it's like you're flying. Like, I could go anywhere. I can do anything. And then somewhere around 14, 15, you don't want to ride a bike anymore. Why? Because you want to drive a car. It's time to drive a car. And it doesn't matter what car, and it doesn't matter what it's looked like, what it looks like. It doesn't matter if all you get to do is pick up somebody from the store or go and buy milk. It is the most powerful moment. And here's the thing. Now, I'm not sure why. She'll have to explain it to you. But my parents would not let me get my license till I was 18. Uh, we have a disagreement on that to this day. But um, it's, it's in the past. We forgive. But uh, it's still... Still some counseling sessions. And so, so um, uh, but, but I remember the first time I finally had my full-on license, and I went out that night by myself in the car, driving our Chevy Lumina. <laughs> yeah, it looked like space in the future with what we thought the future looked like in 1992. <laughs> This wasn't the year 1992. That's how old the car was. Okay. And the nose went out for like eight feet. Looked like a space shuttle. And, uh, and, and I just, but that, I had like this surge of like, yes! Just the greatest feeling of like, I'm alone driving a car. This is amazing. I remember, I just remember like this surge of like adrenaline and excitement. And then, and then one day like, Driving's cool, but you know what's even cooler? Driving your own car, right? And that's when I'm going off to Bible college. A friend named Myron gives me a car. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's a whole other story. It was Canadian. Um, I'm not kidding. Uh, The car said A, and every other sound a car could make. The big numbers were kilometers. The small numbers were miles and uh, always ran hot. So the day we're driving to Dallas, we find out on the highway, the car runs hot. We changed out the radiator, the fluids and everything else. Car always ran hot forever. Anything past about 50 miles an hour, speedometer just bounced off the, I don't know how fast I was going. I could just tell you stories, but it was mine. And for Nine, ten months, I was proud of that fact. Somewhere in there, I was like, I'm no longer proud of this. And then after that, for a short window of my life, after that year, that car, that Canadian car died. Um, and if it didn't, I would have euthanized it anyway. But it was, it, that's another story. Fire was involved. Um, it wasn't my fault. The car just gave up. And, and, and then one day, one day, I, that next summer, needing a car to go back, we find a 1987 Pontiac Firebird. Yeah. Now, I got to be honest, it had a dent in the side, we fixed it, kind of. <laughs> and oh, it's six cylinders, not the eight. But I owned that car, well, I owned it for several years, 
But I enjoyed that car for about six months till I got into an accident, which was not my fault, but led me to getting together with my wife, which is another story in and of itself. But, like, and every car I've owned after that, eh, it's all right. <laughs> you know, they're fine. They do the job. They get us around. This, I've never had a car post that that I've been like, look at this. I'm like, yeah, it's the car now. Because <laughs> I had a Firebird, and I just don't go back. So, now again, what a good sports car, Pastor Brian. Well, I have five kids. So, uh, I got a hot wife. That's all I need. Um, uh, but, like, growing, like, these are the levels we all want to get to. And then when you get to them, you realize that they're not that big of a deal after a while. They really aren't what count and what matter. I mean, they are for a moment till they're not. I was super impressed with my Firebird. All my friends, not so much. And I was like, what? It's a Firebird. Yeah, but it's like an 87. 87 was a good year. Def Leppard, come on. <laughs> they didn't care. Like, it didn't matter. And, 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 and Paul is talking to this church, and he's saying, you need to grow up. You need to move into these next spiritual phases. Because if you don't, you won't be a church anymore. It can really destroy your life if you get obsessed about the things that don't matter. Because it, the things that don't matter, you, you, if you don't start realizing how much they don't matter, it's because you're not growing up. It's because you're getting stuck in places in life that you're not supposed to get stuck in. In phases of life. There are some people who are like 84, like, oh, I just wish I got my degree. <laughs> You're a little like, I think you should move on. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can go, if you want to go get it, go get it. But either go get it or let it go. <laughs> but the, I, I still have to, and this, and, like, stop. Stop. Stop getting stuck. And so in 1 Corinthians 3, he, he's kind of rebuking this church in a, in a very fatherly, loving way, saying, I, I, you need to grow up. And here's what he says, through verse 3, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would with spiritual people. Again, side note, the word spiritual here is people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, not what we would term today. All the people are like, I'm spiritual. Really? Yeah, I've got my crystals, and I go to the solstice. And like, okay, you're, you're something, but spiritual is not, not the We're talking about different spirits. Ours is the Holy Spirit. Yours is a demon. Okay, so so, um, that's what he's saying to spiritual people. All right, so I couldn't talk to you like you were spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready. Man, if anybody wrote a letter like this to a church today, like, if you Man, that guy's not selling any more books. Nobody's going to go to this church anymore. Nobody's going to listen to him anymore. You know, and yet, here it is. And it made its way into the Bible, which probably should say something. Okay? Continuing in verse 3, For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Christ, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? So he's, 
in essence saying, you were immature when I met you, and you're still there. It's time to grow up, church. And there's actually a term he uses, which we'll talk about in a minute. We're going to talk about a few of them. You are, if you don't know this, you are spirit, soul, and body. Okay? That's how you are made up. Spirit, soul, and body. Okay? Now, some might say spirit, mind, and body. I would argue they're kind of the same thing. I believe the mind is where the soul resides, and that's where the spirit, the spirit and the body connect, is through the mind or the soul. Okay? Now, you may say, oh, I disagree. Okay, fine. But I think we can unpack this largely from Scripture. I think it's evident. It's also reflective of the Trinitarian God that we believe in, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, because we are made in his image. But here's the thing. Until you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord, your spirit, not your soul, not your body, but your spirit is dead because we sin and it kills our spirit. Kills it. Doesn't mean you're not passionate, doesn't mean you don't have personality, doesn't, but you aren't fully alive. You may think you are, you may feel like you are. You're not without Jesus living inside you, which is why we need to become born again. It's our spirit that has to be reborn. John 3 3, Jesus said, To receive the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. Some of you read your Bible, good for you. All right, so so he brings that part of us alive so that we're fully alive again. But in that process, that spirit needs to grow up. From, from being resurrected, from being dead to alive, now it's an infant that now needs to grow up. And there are five phases. We say five phases of thriving here, but there are actually five stages of Christian maturity. They're Greek words. Um, the original languages were Greek Hebrew, Aramaic, okay? Most of the New Testament was in Greek, all right? These are the different phases, and we're going to talk through each one of them because he's telling them where they are, and then he's telling them you need to move up. You need to move further with the Lord, okay? So the first phase is, and this is what he's saying they are, you guys are nepios. You are infants. You are zero to two, in the ages of your Christianity. And if you're wondering where, these are all scriptural references. You can take screenshots if you want. There's two more that'll come up after this one. But this is, it's evidence. It's not just Pastor Brian's opinion. Okay, this is evidence. This is how you grow spiritually. Okay, and this is what it looks like. And it looks a lot like what we look like in real life. But just spiritually speaking. So there's the first, when you first become a Christian, when you first say, Jesus, I give my life to you, I follow you, I'm with you, you are a baby, spiritually speaking. You can be 102, but if you're a new Christian, spiritually, you're zero, you're one, okay? You're young in the Lord, okay? Now, some people don't like that, they're, not, they're insulted by that. You shouldn't be. It's one of the best times of being a new believer. When you become a new believer, man, any, I just love being around new believers. They're the best. They'll talk to anybody about Jesus. They just, everything's great. They just love everybody. The church, the pastor must be awesome, right? 
because he's up there looking at him standing on the thing, right? It just, it does no stuff, right? It just, the Bible's so good and rich. I love to worship. All Christian music is great. And, and some of us, like, we, we look at that cynically, but the truth is how many of us would love to get back to that place? Like, what a good season. Because it's like an infant, right? How many of you have had a baby and they're like, let's have a discussion before we start breastfeeding. Let's just talk through it. I want to know who you are, where have you been, what are you ingesting? <laughs> right? They don't do that. <laughs> babies don't do that. When babies have a need, they just cry out. And then you've got to figure out what that need is <laughs> and try and meet it. But it's a great face. Babies are awesome. They're a lot of work too, aren't they? That's a new Christian. They're so excited. It's awesome. And got some work to do. They're going to make some messes. <laughs> but it's awesome. Matter of fact, cool, cool little story about a guy who came to Christ. And, and it, it may have happened here once or twice. But um, it was like a biker guy who they'd been trying to lead to Christ. for, And he finally came up and he asked them to come up and give their testimony. It was a pretty large church. Guy got up there and he's like, I am so blank and saved. I am so blank and God is just effed me up and I am so praise the Lord and blah, blah, blah. And they, uh, something happened. They had to like leave right away and they left. The pastor got up there. He's like, don't any of you say a word to them about that. They are new believers. Bless them. God is doing a great work. Leave them alone. Now again, over time, if they're still there in two, three years, have a conversation, right? Probably not going to invite them up the next week for another testimony, right? But a good moment, like awesome. This is, this is awesome. It's so cool. But that's infancy in Christ. Some people, they end up staying here in the infancy stage. You can leave the phases up, guys. You can just leave them up the whole time. It's all good. Because I'm going to be on here a while. <laughs> this is most of the message. All right, in the infancy stage, some people get stuck there because they gave their life to Christ somewhere, at something, or with someone, and then nobody discipled them, and they didn't get involved in a good local church. And then they just got stuck. They never grew up. Big tragedy. Matter of fact, there's a good chunk of people, even here at Thrive, you're here at Thrive because you wanted to grow up. You wanted to move a little further, go a little deeper. That's not a slam on you. These are the phases of growing in the Lord. It's normal. It's good. It's in the Bible. Okay? Um, and that's good. You know, some of you were like, I, I'm stuck on my growth, and I need to go to thrive. You know? And hopefully nobody says, oh, I'm stuck in my growth. I'm going somewhere else. Because, well, we're going to talk about that later. Okay, number two. <laughs> number two is the, the, the pation or child, two to ten years old. Not the Star Wars term, okay? This is the next phase after you're just not a baby. This is where I'm in church. Uh, I've, 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 I went through growth track maybe. I got baptized, etc. But you're still young in the Lord. A lot you don't know. A lot you haven't learned yet. But you're learning all the time. You're growing a lot. It's a great phase of life. But how many people have ever had a toddler? A kid. So my wife would say it's like her favorite phase of kids, like that, that like two to five years old, 
with the kids because they're so cute, they're so fun, they're learning words, they're talking, they're doing stuff that you're like, oh, look at that, you know? Sometimes that, I won't name names, but sometimes when we see somebody grow and thrive and they're like, they show up to something and they're doing that and then you're like, look at them, <laughs> look at them, <laughs> awesome. You know, you're just excited for them. You're just excited, like, look at their growth. Look what God's doing. How cool is that? And you're growing a lot. It's a season where you grow a lot. And you grow fast. It's a good walk with the Lord. It's a good time with the Lord. It's not the very beginning. It's a little bit in. And you've taken a few lumps at this point because you've learned how to walk and you've fallen a few times. But you're learning and you're growing. You're like, every year, my wife with our kids has to go through and say, what do they still fit in? What what clothes do I have that I can put on them? And what do I need to say, okay, we got to give this away. we got to sell this, throw this out, you know, because it doesn't fit them anymore. This is that season of growth in the Lord. And it's a good season. Most people move through this season, I think, in the church pretty well because you're still excited. You're still enjoying it. It's still new. It's still like, yeah, I'm growing. I like it. Even, there's, even if there's things you don't like, you keep growing. And then there's the third phase, and, and this is where we're going to stick around for a little bit, technon, or adolescent, which is like 10 to 17 years old in the Lord, which is not years. It's, it's saying your spirit is reflective of that time phase in your life. That's not literal, I've been serving the Lord 10 years. I've been serving, no, 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 no. It's saying it, it's representative of that time in your physical life. So adolescence is a good time of life. It's not all bad. Sometimes we think of it as all bad. Sometimes we think of it as all good. And it's neither. It's, it's both. There's a lot of good and a lot of bad. The vast majority, I would argue, over 80% of Western Christians are there. And they never move on. For a lot of reasons, but here you have to start learn to adult. <laughs> you ever had a conversation with a teenager that didn't go well? <laughs> Anybody? Don't point, just right? You you have, right? Just where you're just like, how are you? Why can't you reason with words and thought? What's the matter with you? How? I remember being 18. And, and that summer before I went to Bible college, uh, I had a job where I worked like 3 to 10.30. And then every night, I had to go hang out with my friends afterwards at 10.30. I had to. I remember my parents being like, no, you don't. Uh, yes, I do. You don't understand anything. And I look back, and I'm like, man, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> like, I'm so stupid. I'm so arrogant. I'm so like, oh, how did I... Because I was a kid. But there's good in this phase. Like, you, you are now responsible often in the basics. You show up. You do what needs to be done. You understand uh, not everything's going to be perfect. You can express love. You're capable. You contribute. Here's what's really cool about the, passionate fa- about the adolescent phase of spirituality is you're passionate still. You love the times of worship. 
Some of you, if you're stuck in the adolescent phase, you actually say, well, my favorite part of the service is worship. It may be a clue. It's not a slam, but it's a clue. You've got some growing up to do. You grow up enough, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but you grow up enough, you realize, I love all of it, front to the back. From walking in the door till I leave, God is in every moment. Okay? But that adolescent phase, it's also like a teenager. It's easily offended. You ever notice people who are easily offended never think they're easily offended? <laughs> you ever notice, notice that? Like on Facebook, like, Man, why'd you get so offended? I am not offended. And how dare you say that to me? <laughs> You're like, geez, maybe, never mind. <laughs> that, that, that's how it goes. You know? I remember we had the season growing up. I don't know where we got it from, but my brother and I both would be like, it's not my fault. It was just our natural response. Hey, did you leave this out? It's not my fault. What? You know, hey, do you want to go to the store? It's not my fault. Oh, wait, yeah, I do. You know, like that was just something we said. It literally would just come out of our mouths. Why? Adolescence, just being a kid. It's not just a problem in the American church. It's a problem in the Western world in general. Child obesity has skyrocketed 500% from 1 in 23 teens in the early 60s to more than 1 in 5 today. It's estimated young males have played more than 14,000 hours on video games by the time they reach the age 21. Fully one quarter of Americans between the ages of 25 and 29 now live with a parent compared to only 18% over a decade ago. Before 1980, kids rarely were diagnosed with ADHD, OCD, depression, and other mental disorders. So what happened? We're stuck on ourselves. We don't have self-discipline because we need so much self-fulfillment. We navel-gaze all day long. My feelings about this. The way this is going about that. Look, is there value in understanding and processing your feelings and knowing what they are? Very great value, deep value, transformational value. But there isn't great value in knowing every single one all the time in all things. This past week, man, I had a week. (laughs) Some of you know, some of you don't. I'm not going to tell you. But man, I had a week. And that week made me weak. And I wanted to quit a lot of stuff. Just that's how I felt. But I didn't. See, adolescents says I'm going to quit it, and they do. Adults say I feel like quitting it, and I'm going to wait and see if I feel like this tomorrow or the next day or the next. See the difference? Some of you are like, well, I'm dealing with depression, so I better give into it. And I would tell you, just about every dark season of life passes, every single one. If you work through it long enough, bad days end. I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, if you're going through hell, keep going. We don't stop in hell. We keep going until it isn't hell anymore. 
I know people who struggled with tremendous chronic pain, horrible, and they kept going, and it ended at some point. They got somewhat better. I know very few people who've dealt with so many issues that there was just no out. But that's what adolescence says. Stay here. You'll always be here. It'll never get better. It'll never end. It's not true. It's just not true. Now, maybe long, but it's rarely permanent. And if it is permanent and God allows it to be so, even that he'll use for his good somehow, some way. He'll turn it because he's a good God and he wastes nothing. Don't let your spirit get stuck in a place where it can't be taught anymore. And that is the biggest fallout of the season of adolescence. Again, I loved, I had a time in my life, now I still love worship, I still love leading worship, and I still love enjoying worship. But do I spend most of my time on worship anymore when it comes to spiritual things? I don't. But it's not because I can't, I just don't need to. I don't need that in order to feel God's presence. Even this morning, even in worship, as I'm not feeling something, I remind myself, but God's not a feeling, so it's okay. It's not because the worship team wasn't doing something. It's just because my flesh gets in the way. Well, I'm not feeling it today. It's good, because God isn't your feeling, and you're not worshiping them. We're worshiping the Lord, no matter how we feel. Lift it up. You know, sometimes we feel extremely angry, right? Nothing wrong with that, but it's what we do with anger. You see the difference between adult and adolescence. Now, again, you need to also understand growing up, spiritually speaking, is the natural process. You aren't going to speed it up by doing said things. Doing said things faithfully, spiritually speaking, you will move a little quicker. See what I mean? So, well, I've been reading my Bible every day and I'm not growing. Mm -hmm. Keep reading. (laughs) Keep it up. Seriously, for me, okay, I'm in the gym three, four, five times a week. It's not quite where I'd like to be right at this point. But I'm a little further than I was. See, that's, that's me. I want to eat well for two to three weeks and work out and be done. <laughs> there are people in the gym, right? And you're like, you're done. Please go home. Stop it. Just leave the space for the people who need it, literally, physically. All right, so, but we treat it that way. And that's how adolescence also treats growth. We look at spiritual growth as ascending levels. And if we screw up or something happens to us, we get knocked off, and now we're back to zero. That's a lie from the enemy. God isn't measuring you in levels. He's growing you up. When you fall, you're not back to zero. You're just down and have to get up. Does anybody look at a two-year-old and be like, well, you're an infant again. Way to go. What's the matter with you? 
Somebody looking, somebody who, 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 who falls. That's the problem. Like we look, and even, even alcoholics will be like, well, if you had to drink again, well, that's it. You've got to start over. No, you've got to get up. See the difference? And I don't know about you, but you fall enough, and you think you go back to zero enough. Anybody else want to quit? Be like, forget it. Right? The world is not the first Super Mario game where when you die, start all over again. <laughs> Thank God. It's much better now. Right? We can start. If we fall, we just get up. And we keep going. That's it. But adolescence says, no, that's it. I fell too many times. No, Proverbs says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. See, it says righteous man, not a child. I love that. I love that it says when you're an adult, you know you're going to fall, and then you just keep getting up. Get up, get up, get up. You're going to fall. In the walk with Christ, you're going to fall. You're going to have seasons. My wife and I were talking about this. In your growth pattern, anybody recognize this in their life, spiritually speaking? Times you like worship more. Times you like the word more. Times you like preaching more. Times you like to pray more. And they never all coalesce at the same time. Anybody ever felt that? Yeah, I like praying right now, but man, I hate reading my Bible. I'm terrible at it. Oh, I love the Bible, but I don't really talk to God that much. Guess what? We all go through that. And it's called growing up. Well, I'm going to pray, but I don't feel like it. And I'm going to pray till I do. And when I do, I may not feel like doing this. That's okay. I'm going to do it anyway. How many of you don't feel like going to work on a Monday? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone? <laughs> right? Well, not the pastor. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's a different conversation, but what I would encourage you to do is keep growing. If you're offended, good. Work through it. Don't walk away from it. I think toxic is the new escape word for people who are just adolescent Christians. No, just grow. Work through it. Now look, there are times, uh, we've talked about that in the last few weeks, there are times, there are boundaries, right? But even boundaries are healthy and godly. They're a boundary, not a burned bridge. Growth facilitates that. The next one would be, as you're being built in the Lord, as you're growing in the Lord, number four, adult, okay? The number four is weos, would be how you pronounce it, or adult in the Lord. What does that mean? What does that look like? Everybody, and every believer should get here. An adult is willing to do what needs to be done, spiritually speaking, even when they don't feel like it, and they're raising others up. They're not pushed around and swayed by bad doctrine, by the brand new book that came out, by who's there for them versus who's not. This week I had a good friend just not treat me well. It hurt. Nobody in this room, nobody related to Thrive, relax. <laughs> and it, it, it just stung. And they weren't, they weren't a great friend in that moment. 
You know what, though? And I could be like, well, that's it. Forget it. You know, you're just going to forgive. Let it be for a little bit. It'll come back around. It's okay. Because that's what an adult does in the spirit. Some people who can't function in the church more, two, more than a year, two, three years, it's like they refuse to recognize you're just not growing up. A lot of times it's not entirely their fault either because nobody's discipling them. Your, your my job is to be discipled. Matter of fact, there's an old saying, okay, it's a spiritual saying, every believer in their life should have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy. Those are guys in the Bible, all right? Paul is the pastor in your life, the leader, the person who pours into you, the person who's over you. Barnabas is the person who's beside you, encouraging you, arm in arm with you, sharpening you. You build up, they build you up. And Timothy is the person you're discipling, pouring into, giving your life to, pouring back out, right? Because the sponge that never is squeezed and never pours back out just gets moldy and stinks, okay? So all we're, we're supposed to be poured into, sharpened, and poured back out. Every believer, everywhere. An adult in the spirit knows this and is doing it at all, all the time. Has that in his life or her. Here's, a, here's an example. I know, and, and, and I'm complimenting them. The Dirks, when they came, numerous churches they'd been at did the growth track thing. We're not the only ones who do it. But we need to know everybody's kind of on the same page with us. That's why we do it. Some people don't know this stuff and they've never heard it. They, they were like, do we need to do this for membership? You do. We gotta have a standard. Did they need it? No. <laughs> but they're adults, spiritually speaking. So they're like, all right, we'll do it. And they did. Some of you are like, well, I don't, you know, I don't need that. Okay, well, don't do it for you. Do it because the body needs you. That's what adults do. We look out for one another. People of the Spirit who've grown spiritually look out for those who might struggle. Okay, I don't share with the church. Now, you guys know I'm pretty transparent, but I don't tell you every single one of my struggles. Why? Because it might make you struggle. I'm not hiding it. I just don't want to put something in your way that might make you stumble. Do you see what I mean? And that's looking out. There's certain things I feel freedom in that you might not. I feel free to watch that or go to that, and you don't. Okay, fine. But I don't tell you about it. <laughs> it's because I, I love you, and I don't want to trip you up. Nothing sinful. <laughs> I'm not talking about that, right? And that's what it is to grow in the Spirit. And then finally, the last one is to parent. Pater, pater is, the, is, the, is the Greek term. To father or parent, okay? That's the last one. That's the last phase of growing in Christ. We act like Christ instead of the world. See, we're building something, and we're being built. You are going to leave something behind someday. Nobody gets out alive. Bummer of a news, but it's true. Who are you fathering spiritually? Who are you pouring into? What is your legacy when it comes to just being a person? Who is it? Who looks to you as spiritual leadership? 
Hebrews says this in Hebrews 6. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let's go instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds, placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we'll move forward to further understanding. Some of you, and I'm proud of you for those who are, some of you are like, I'm not a big men's retreat guy, but God's in it, so I'm going. That's adulting in the spirit. Way to go. Thank you. Proud of you. Because God's going to do something. I know it. God's going to do something. I don't know what, but I know he's going to do something. None of that. So Papa G, Gary Groen, our speaker this weekend, he'll be here next Sunday. Okay. He's a, spirit, he's a spiritual father in my life. Not my only one, but a spiritual father. He pours into me. He'll rebuke me. He'll warn me. I have that in my life. He's a spiritually healed father. A, a couple years ago, I was praying, God, I, I, need, I need like a spiritual father in my life who's been a pastor, who's done this, because I don't fully know what I'm doing. God brought some guys, just him and another pastor. Thank you, Lord, and just to pour into me, because I don't want to keep falling. I want to grow. I want to get better. I want to improve. I want to be sanded down. I don't want to react all the time. I want to be like Jesus. I want to build the kingdom and build others. Some of you have built a kingdom, but not the kingdom. You're not building others. You're building you. Instead of letting the Lord build you and you build others. And he talks in the, last, in the last part of chapter 3 that we're going to talk about. Verse 12. He talks about what that means. That you're building something. And some things are going to be left over and some isn't. And here's what he says. Anyone who builds on the foundation that may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hair, straw, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder's done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Don't you realize you're all the temple? That the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple's holy, and you are that temple. So a couple of things he's saying here. He ends with a warning, like, you're God's temple, and as God's church, if you are destructive to God's church, you will face a level of judgment. God forgive us when we're that way. But he's also saying you're building something in your life. Who are you building? Some people narrow it, narrow it down, like, well, I, I am doing that, Pastor Brian, because I'm building my kids. Great. First and foremost, the thing you should build, but not the only ones. If those are the only people you're building, I love you, you're a little selfish. You gotta, you gotta move your, beyond your borders and you're gonna teach your kids to be selfish. Let your kids see you pour into others and not just them. Them first, them primarily, but not only. 
okay? But one day, everything we've done, everything we did for Jesus, every, every Bible study you went to, every time you read the scriptures, every person you poured into, everything will be brought before the Lord. And his pure fire will burn it up. And what was pure before him and right is the only thing that'll stand. I do believe someday, I do believe someday, we're going to see, we're going to see some major Christian leaders. And all of it's going to get burned up and it's just going to be gone and nothing. Because they built their kingdom and their thing. Some of you in here, you've got your 401k set up. You've got your kids with their college fund. They're good to go. And everything is great. And you think, it's fine. See, because I was good this way. And it's going to come before the Lord. It's going to be almost, it's going to be this much left. Because like the Lord's like, you loved your kid. But nobody else. As somebody once said, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. This doesn't happen. Because you can't take it with you. The Egyptians tried. You know what happened? Even their graves were robbed. They're still being robbed when they're found. Here's my question to you. How many of you want to grow and are willing to do what it takes to grow in the Lord some of it it's what you need to say yes to some of it it's what you have to say no to see you need to understand something heaven's free but the rewards of heaven aren't now you might think well that's fine as long as I get into heaven Bible says, but that's like somebody who just escaped the flames. I don't want to live for eternity. Don't get me wrong. We know we're not going to live with pain and regret, but we'll also have this eternal knowledge. I could have given God more. I don't want to be there. It's actually a really neat book. You can look it up. You can read it for yourself if you want to. It talks about that in a, in a much more articulate way than I am able to. The book is called The Final Quest by Rick Joyner. And he says in that book about believers who could have given God more and, and just didn't. And how they weren't sad because there's no sadness in heaven. And they weren't filled with regret. But there was part of it, their eternity with the Lord that wasn't fully what it was supposed to be. And they knew it. give God everything. It's a song I've been listening to lately that's actually from years ago. I sent it to Alan a few weeks ago. And there's this chorus of it is, I want to give you everything, but I've got nothing of my own at all. The truth is when you come to the Lord, your everything really is nothing. you got nothing, neither do I. Why not give it to him? Give him your nothing. Give him your heart. Give him your time. Give him your energy. 
I want you to say, God, if nothing else ever comes out in my life, would you become my everything? When I have no friends, help me to help me not to lament and cry and scream. And I, I've felt that for me lately. I can't explain it. I don't want to go into it. Pastoring is lonely. You can ask my wife. I've been dealing with some of that. Just felt alone. Don't get me wrong. The elders listen to me. They'll let me cry on their shoulders. There's just a load and there's a responsibility there that's just lonely. And because I'm not pastory enough for a lot of pastors, they don't let, I, I'm a weird guy. I'm not sinful enough for people who want to live in sin. I'm not often Christian enough for the super Christians. <laughs> I'm not pastory enough for a lot of pastors. It's fine. God, in those moments, help me remember and know and live like you're my friend. The God of the universe calls me friend. What else do I need? The God, when I don't have a pastor, God, be my pastor. And be just my everything. When my spouse isn't meeting my needs, Lord, be my everything. When financially I am just stuck beyond stuck, God, be my provider. Be my everything. When I am sick and diseased, be my healer and my everything. I want to grow in you, not in things. I want to be built in you and build others to do the same. Consume me that I might be consumed with you. That's a healthy obsession. That's good, OCD. Lord, do that in us. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Oh,